right, it's December the 11th, 2023. Infinite Plane Radio, open phones for open minds. Auto hoax or GTFO, please. It is uh, open phones tonight. So 1-505-349-0420. I sent out live stream notifications via the newsletter. So you should have just been receiving those. And you may have received the image of the hyper-realistic poster art of a cyborg penguin on a tank blasting a blue-helmeted robo-soldier in a science fiction futuristic landscape. That was actually my prompt for Doll E to create tonight's thumbnail. And it's just a representation of the think tank. And the cyborg just represents the augmentation of our reality with all the tools that we have available to us. And this information war is really what we're talking about. It's a figure of speech. We don't mean a literal tank. But the IPS think tank is about to uh, hit the roads. It's not street legal, but it's definitely roadworthy. And uh, we have a, a book tour planned. And one of the first stops may actually be in the vicinity of YouTube's headquarters. I mean, of course, I want to start it here because it's convenient, but, you know, to test everything out and format things and establish how it's going to be done. But I am going to have to go file my legal paperwork against YouTube very soon. I want to have it done before the end of this year. So the plan is I'm going to be heading out west uh, within the next two or three weeks. And during that time, I will probably arrange to do some kind of um, book distribution um, event, epicenter for a meme-demic. So I'll keep you apprised of that, but I'm going to be heading out west here within the next week or so, which needs to happen. My paperwork is ready, the legal paperwork. It, it just it was the wrong jurisdiction, but it's a winning lawsuit, and it's a lost cause for them. It's just a matter of time. And delaying justice on their part was just wrong, but it was their tactic. Uh, that's the reason why I didn't win earlier this year. But I'm going to go ahead and make that happen next. And it's important. It's important for a lot of reasons that we talk about here. But it's important also um, because it implicates our channel's longtime enemy. And one of my goals, one of the resolutions I have for 2024, is the thorough exposure and uh, public humiliation and destruction of our number one enemy, which will happen. All right, we're joined by Diana South at DLive, Thirst of Truth, Plain Decoded. John Francis 2.0, Cat Bunny Buffalo, Peace Circle 360, and Evolvement. Awesome. Now, I'm noticing everybody is breaking down Leave the World Behind. Everybody's noticing every nuance, every detail. There's 113s, there's, of course, the nuke thing, but everyone's picking up on 1619, White Lion. Some say White Lion represents the Antichrist, and you do see a 666. And it does seem like a rapture, but there's probably multiple levels to it, but you can definitely see the meaning behind the 1619 versus 1776, as I was describing in my review. And I looked into this a little further, and I came across some interesting stuff having to do with Trump's presidency. Uh, for example, this was in September of 2020. Trump blasts the 1619 project on the role of black Americans and proposes his own 1776 commission. Now, what I had taken away from the film is that this was a setup for a purposeful collapse in society that would put the sides against each other left and right. 
but that the ideological division would be defined as the 1776ers, like the MAGA, the insurrectionists, the Qs, the, the MAGA, pretty much, the American nationalists. And the left would be typified by the 1619, which is an alternative starting point for American history that's more inclusive of what you might consider to be, you know, not really America necessarily, but the, the lead up to it. And that, of course, included uh, the role of slavery. And, of course, 1619 is a reference to when the White Lion, again, the name of that ship, uh, hit the shore with the first transatlantic slaves to be sold. Interestingly, too, the White Lion in the movie is an oil tanker. So they combine a number of things. They're combining the racial reckoning, um, America's original sin, and then combining that with oil, which has to do with climate change which similarly is seen as an oppressor. You know, Western chauvinism, we can't breathe because what capitalism is doing. We can't breathe because the knee on the necks of the poor. It's, a, it's the oppressor and oppressive, uh, the oppressor and the oppressed. And of course, 1776ers are the oppressors. So this is the way they've divided this thing, and it was pretty clear in the story. And there's a number of other things that have um, come up here, but we'll continue to go through, and I'll continue to see what people are bringing up. Now, interestingly, Mike Rothschild, who's written a few books on conspiracy theories now, is mocking people who are reading into it. Like It's almost like they have to put on a stupid filter in order to not get the right answers, because you couldn't get it wrong unless you deliberately wanted to. So his take on it is that crazy conspiracy theorists are calling it predictive programming. Well, I would call it that, and I would also call it concurrent programming, because it contains a number of elements that specifically tie in to the real-time concurrent news events that seemingly, eerily, coincidentally match the movie. Uh, specifically, we have that recent kind of faux controversy with the child at the Chiefs game wearing the Native American headdress with his face painted black, and that controversy kind of was brought up in the movie uh, indirectly when you look at the screen and you see someone wearing that headdress doing the tomahawk chop and the politically incorrect nature of that was one of the scandals or one of the big stories during Obama's uh, presidency so anyway we talked about this at length yesterday so I'm looking at more clips people are sharing so here's one where Julia Roberts's character is hanging out in front of this painting which is continually changing and it looks to me like she's at a clan meeting. And if you go back and you look into the book that the movie is based upon, it really is about displaying uh, white supremacy, Karenism, and uh, I guess you would consider even racist microaggressions and prejudice. It's all kind of built in there. But if you look here, she's posing in front of this painting, and it does look like she's at a clan rally, and there happens to be a white cone above her head. And you can go ahead and just assume no single frame in this movie is accidental. So it's, it's fascinating, though, to watch other people unpacking this and, and finding more. Here's another good example. Oh, by the way, concurrent programming. So this is posted by The Real ZNO on X. The new Netflix special, Leave the World Behind, produced by Barack and Michelle Obama, is about weaponized cyber attacks and a global communications breakdown. Fox News just reported that China's cyber army is infiltrating vital U.S. services such as water, utilities, power grids, 
pipe lights, ports. If I were to put my tinfoil hat on, I would say this is predictive programming. So we do have that. We do have a number of stories coming out suggesting that hacking is already happening, just like the movie. So to say it's just a conspiracy theory is just playing dumb, and I'm not impressed by his assessment. And what's more, the existence of predictive programming is not a conspiracy theory. To say so is to be a reality denialist. And to be deliberately or, I don't know, deliberately ignorant is the only thing that makes sense to me. To not connect the dots and realize, hey, every single major transformative terrorist attacks and every major event has been preceded and foreshadowed by years, if not decades, of this so-called predictive programming with specificity. And to say it's not a pattern is just to be missing the forest for the trees. And most do. Now, here's a clip from the movie that had people mad. Uh, this is posted by Matt Wallace. You remember that if the world falls apart, trust should not be doled out easily to anyone, especially white people. I'm asking for you to remember. Again, I'm asking you to remember that if the world falls apart, don't trust anybody, especially white people. And this is interesting for a few reasons, but of course this is uh, being taken as uh, anti-white. Well, my take on it is this, because it all connects to America's original sin and slavery and systemic racism and oppression. My take on it is that this new paradigm, which we often talk about, that has replaced God with Gaia, the flood with global warming, sin, carbon footprint, and the virus, and space is the new heaven, but they need a scapegoat. So the old paradigm had a scapegoat in evil, in Satan, in the people who didn't accept Christ. In other words, like blaming Jews for everything. Jews killed Jesus. Well, in this new paradigm, where it's all based on scientism and transhumanism, the universal scapegoat is being transferred to whiteness. Whiteness is the new Jewishness when it comes to the ubiquitous scapegoat, and I think this is going to be the case from now on. And I think that's really what this movie is ultimately about. Uh, they're, they're making this point. And there's a few other layers to the movie that tie into the whole thing with the you know, right-wing domestic violent extremists possibly even being a part of it. Like, it's not a coincidence that it's Musk's Teslas that shut down the roads, maximum overdrive style. Clogging the roads like he's clogging outer space, like he's clogging cyberspace. It's like a purposeful act of sabotage. If you haven't seen the movie, I do recommend it. But I'm just pointing it out that, and as many have, the way that they've represented the males is very denigrating by design. And the white males. And the undertones to the movie, the, rather the overtones, the racist overtones, yeah, this is all part of a, a critique of America right now. And the 1619 thing is the key component because again we're talking about a plan to and it's a threefold plan that's described in the movie to cause chaos and a collapse and then allow the country to destroy itself from within and we often talk about the schism this crack the crack in everything and how perfectly divided it is where there's no question what side you're on and it looks to me like this movie perfectly explains where it is all leading we're just waiting on something and the numbers in this movie are just incredible, like how revealing it is and how consistent it is. The fact that the 
the zip code, the 11963 is um, so prominent is very significant for a few reasons, but the Donnie Darko tie-ins also hugely significant. 9-11 references. I mean, this movie is just non-stop programming. And one of the things I like about it is that the people who are decoding it are decoding it as though, hey, this is just a piece of propaganda to analyze. And I've often said that the entertainment is a side effect of the programming. And I always look at movies with that in mind. And now you have a growing body of people who are, for all intents and purposes, auto-hoaxers. They're suspending judgment. They're not just allowing themselves to be hypnotically inducted into this alternate reality and escape into some entertainment. They're looking at it like it's toxic, which is, I think, a step forward. I think this is actually progress. Now, the next thing, though, is to break them of the habit of thinking that predictive programming is telling us what they're going to do. As we all understand here, predictive programming is merely preparing you for what they're going to lie about doing. And they have to prepare you for it because it's a lie. And they need you to just accept it without any resistance. If they were doing it for real, they wouldn't need to set you up. They wouldn't need to set your expectations to make it more believable. They would just do it. Save themselves a lot of energy with all this predictive programming. But no, ultimately, it's because that's what it is. And you know, it's fascinating. I was talking about weaponized superstition how we live in the village, how the elders dress up as monsters and keep us scared into this little area. Well, a fakeologist, just on the fakeologist program, they just had Joseph Atwell, who wrote Caesar's Messiah. And if you haven't listened to it, I highly recommend it. I'll make sure I put the link to the podcast. Uh, I've, I've been following Joseph Atwell's work for a long time. I've, I've read his book. And I actually, I have his other book I have to read as well, on Shakespeare. But anyway... What he has recognized, what he calls typography, he describes the New Testament, the Gospels, as typography, meaning it's not a historical record, and it's not just fiction, but rather it's a retelling based on a template from something earlier. That's what he refers to by this biblical typology, that it's a style of writing. And what he has arrived at is that the template is evident. And it's undeniable when you see these parallel events in sequence. And what he's describing here, though, is that with the invention of the uh, Christian, Christian religion by the Roman elite, he says this was the invention of mind control. This was the invention of mass mind control, the way we understand it today, the way it's used today. And there is, it's a really deep and rich explanation and if you go into it, it's, it's very intriguing. But the basic premise of it is that they've been doing PSYOPs for a long time for purposes of getting everybody to believe the same thing, to obey the same rules. And what I'm finding most interesting about it, though, is the templated nature of the storytelling. Because what I'm seeing is metascript. Metascripting. Typology is metascripting. Like, for example, uh, when, when I'm talking about metascript, I mean stories that have um, that take place over a long period of time, but have many different people telling the story. Just take, for example, global warming. You know, it's a story being told over decades, and the the story is pretty, you know, obvious. It's basically man is causing stuff to happen to the environment, and over the years they report how much things are getting worse and worse and worse. So it's a story told over a period of time 
from all these different platforms in a very decentralized way. But this story forms a backdrop to our reality, a form of eschatology, a rationale for regulation, and a way to implement or inculcate a sense of guilt and even pessimism in a lot of the people who are part of the problem now, scapegoated for it. So what we're looking at, in my opinion, is just another example of narratives being used to control minds. Programming, quite literally, like for a play. These are scripts, and people are just extras, more or less, but they stick within the program. And I consider the the Bible, the New Testament, Old Testament, this is just old-school fake news. Because whether it's real or not is not what I'm even challenging here. I'm talking about the editing of it, the bias, what's omitted. And what we're going through right now with the mass media is a process of having our world views curated as they omit more and more and narrow the acceptable views. And of course, the the discourse all has to fit within their boundaries. And I consider the mainstream media to be the de facto uh, church, the de facto state church. It's the world state church right there. It's your mainstream media. But the Bible isn't a singular book. It's actually your iPhone. It's the worldview that gets through that filter. And right now, a lot more gets through than they would like, but they're working on it, as we have been experiencing. Going through your comments, Plain Dakota says, do they want us to auto-hoax it? You know, I don't think so. You know, the thing is, this, this happened with the Ohio event. Do you remember Palestine, Ohio, the train wreck? It mirrored the movie White Noise with a toxic airborne event. And a lot of people were talking about it. Every news agency said, well, it's an eerie coincidence. Even CNN had a comment on it. They said, it's just a coincidence that what happened in Palestine is exactly what happened in the movie and that the actors, the extras from the movie were evacuated from the real event. Coincidence upon coincidence upon coincidence. Nothing to see here. And a number of people were very hopeful that, hey, this is going to wake people up, that this is going to be so obvious that everybody's going to see that you can't trust the news because the media is just part of a myth-making apparatus for purposes of mind control. It's not really informing us, but it's keeping us in a sea of subjectivity and irrelevance. Nobody woke up. Not one person. What happened was the alt-media, Infowars and all them, noticed it. and They said, hey, look, the reason why it's being predicted is because the dark occultists have to tell you what they're going to do in advance so you are giving them your tacit permission and there's no karmic retribution. Now, I don't think it works that way. Like, what kind of, what kind of explanation is that? Karmic retribution, dark wizards, I got to tell you first. That is a red herring and it's a trutherism that we can do without. This trutherism hides something. It's using a mystical explanation. It's using a divine fallacy, God of the gaps, attributing it to magic. Instead of just pointing out that, no, we're talking about a structured way of conveying narratives to us so that we accept what they present in the news. Like, it's very deliberate. And the timing gives it away. I mean, just the fact that Donald Trump kicked off his campaign, the final battle, right there the day in Waco, the day after Waco American Apocalypse comes out on Netflix, that tells you everything. Netflix is there 
for predictive and concurrent programming. And a lot of people are noting the what we always talk about here, the fact that the CEO and co-founder is a relative of Edward Bernays' propaganda and Sigmund Freud, which has everything to do with understanding our subconscious motivations, our triggers, how to... You know, we are living through mass mind control. And that's one of the things that Joseph Atwell brought up, that we're living under mass mind control. And he even commented, he said something about um, why fakeology is so important, and he used the word because he understands it. So if you haven't listened to that, it's worth listening to, because what he what he explains in his book, I think, is the, the M.O. of the power elite, and it demonstrates that it's never changed. And that religion, as I've been explaining for some time, that religion is really just worldview warfare, or rather, it's a regimented worldview. And the mainstream religion of today is it's replacing the old one facet by facet by facet including the new heaven that they've given us but it's the same people in charge like there's this reoccurring theme among truthers that the new world order is coming new world order religion everybody's going to be a part of it yeah we already been, we've already done that like it already happened we're already in it the there's no order coming in to take over there's no invasion the invasion already happened a long time ago. You know, we're born into bondage, as, as Morpheus said. We're born into the mind control immersive illusion. Commenter says they operate on the principle of tacit agreement, silence is consent. Um, yeah, that's that's an interesting point, but what I'm pointing out here is that they're not doing anything. And this is a key point. This is why I don't associate or have um i don't bring in to the conversation a lot of the people who are still stuck on certain narratives like yeah 9 11 was done by israel now they're mad at israel for 20 years well what if it didn't happen what if it was just a movie what if it was just one psyop in a long sequence of psyops and that it's so outrageous and so spectacular that most truthers think that this is an anomaly and they miss the psy war they miss the forest for the tree and that's pretty much what has happened with 9-11. But as long as you think it really happened, you're going to think there was blood, victims, and a need for vengeance. And since you're the good guy and you're the truther and you're fighting for truth, now you have to avenge the victims, and so you go fight the evildoers that did it. I mean, it's a cool story, and it tricks a lot of people, but it's a distraction from the reality of it. And if you can see through that, the magnitude of it, and this is why it's a key event. It's a key event because it shows the ubiquitous control over media, quote, globally, which is why I call it monolithic. Let's see here. Yes, Tominoid says that this Barack Obama and Michelle Obama production is higher ground. It has come aboard Sam Esmail's upcoming film. Yeah, that's the one. And higher ground. I have the logo of, of the company here, and it's like a there we go. 19 stairs on a staircase going up. And yeah, it is, a, it is a good movie in a sense, but it's not about the catastrophe necessarily. I mean, the subtext, the there's so many aspects to the story, and it's, it's like I said, it's, it's pretty uh, much an attack on the American male, well, Americans right now in general, but specifically uh, white America. 
And I do think that the House represents the White House and resentment some had to the Obamas going in. The, I mean, the Obamas are all over the movie. One final point on it. I kind of think they were suggesting that Kevin Bacon's character knew, because he was packing in advance, that the white nationalist domestic violent extremists know that it's going to happen because they're part of it. And they're going to use the collapse to win back. This is just the Turner Diaries narrative. If you haven't read the Turner Diaries, or if you're not familiar with it, it's considered to be the Bible of white nationalism. Timothy McVeigh was inspired by it. It was written by an individual who happened to be born on 9-11, 1933. And it does contain planes full of bombs crashing into the capital. It did inspire McVeigh to attack Oklahoma City. Of course, McVeigh executed 6-11 at the age of 33. Now, the Turner Diaries, though, is about white nationalists getting their hands on nuclear weapons and going to war. So that's pretty much the story. Now, fascinatingly, if you recall in 2020, when the McCloskeys, there was this couple, the McCloskeys, they came out with weapons, brandishing weapons, at BLM protesters passing by their street. And if you saw them, the husband was wearing a polo shirt that was a little tight and open, and he had his AR-15, and his wife had this gold pistol, and she had this black and white striped shirt, like the Hamburglar. But anyway, the way they were posing in front of their home as BLM was walking by, looked exactly like the cover art of the Turner Diaries, 42 years later, coming to life. Not a coincidence. Those were a couple of actors. They wore the same costume for various public appearances. They were big supporters of Kyle Rittenhouse. But my point being, the Turner Diaries suddenly started making the rounds again. Now, every other shooter has a copy of it. And it is pretty much... Like a, like a journal day-to-day -day of what happens at when, when the world ends. And they have this thing called the Day of the Rope, where everybody who's a traitor, race traitor, this is where it comes from, gets the rope. Well, the Day of the Rope, interestingly, was something that was brought up during the January um, 6th. So they had actually included that in their plan. Let me see if I can find it here. But yeah, here we go. Day of the Rope, it's a slogan by white supremacists referring to mass murders of race traitors that occurs in the Turner Diaries. And there was a reference to it in some of their memes that kind of, uh, again, planted. This is all planted stuff. Obviously, I mean. Okay, Reverse History says, Atwell's recognition of WTC7 becoming the third 9-11 destruction of Solomon's Temple as the Solomon's Brothers building is fascinating. Yeah, that's that's an interesting take on it. The building 7. There's a few interesting things about it. And you know, people who say there's no way the towers were hit by a plane, it had to be Chinese space lasers because they fell so fast. Uh, how do you know they fell? I mean, what, what you're shown on TV anyway. Uh, how do you know that's the authentic footage? Because if it's a movie, if it's superimposed, you can't even trust it. But we never were given an adequate explanation for WTC-7. And it's remained this like open question. And I think it's by design. It's almost like they want the critical thinkers to experience maximum cognitive dissonance, which forces them to choose to ignore it, to lie along to get along, 
or it turns them into MSM plus agitated, angry, possibly even vengeful truthers who want to find out what's really going on. And now they have an axe to grind with Bush or Israel. So it activates a lot of people. And the people who got activated and angry by the 9-11 event were all handled by agents who all prevented them from arriving at the right conclusions. The right conclusion being we're looking at a movie. Okay, let's continue here. Moving on, higher ground. I'll go back and revisit the movie and some other reviews once it kind of percolates because, again, it's it's being taken apart. Like, I haven't seen any other movie taken apart, to be quite honest. Okay, here's a cover. China's cyber army is invading critical U.S. services. Report, China hackers infiltrate U.S. infrastructure. Fox News. I mean, what are the odds? Concurrent programming. There's really no other way to explain it. All right, let's moving on. Um, Alex Jones is on Twitter again, joining forces with a number of other high-profile truthers. And now that he's on Twitter, he's reachable. And I think this is good. Look, I, I think he was, when he was not on X, not on Twitter, he wasn't as accountable. It's really hard to hold people accountable when they can hide. And it's one of the reasons why I like Twitter from the very beginning, because you could at anybody, you could call out anybody. Well, here... And I sent this to Alex Jones today, and I don't expect him to answer to it, but he should. And I, I just think it's strange. It's almost Kafka-esque how we know who Q is. Alex Jones knows. We have all this information, and it's not getting out. I mean, it's just a matter of time. And listen to this, just if you haven't heard it. This is Alex Jones hanging out with Eddie Bravo, where he makes it very clear, he's very emphatic about it, that he and Joe Rogan know Q. Now, what's interesting about this is the person we know to be this primary Q-dropper told me in a private correspondence before he was doxxed that he's BFFs with Rogan and Jones. So this is all really interesting, but let me play this clip in case you haven't heard it. Like on the drops, he said that? You know something, Eddie, if we ever have dinner again, which I'm sure we will, <laughs> you, know I know who, you know I know who Q is, right? What? No way. You know what? On, yeah, why, I, I why, actually, would the MSM, why would MSM do that? Why would they do that? Why would they you know, that? You've known me oh, uh, 50, 60, 70 years. So I'm, I'm wrong about some things, but if I'm telling you something, this is actually real right now. Okay. Like, like I, I know the whole history of Q. I know who started it. Okay, who is it now? Tell me. I want to know. Now, now I'm not going to play the whole thing because it's annoying. What happens here is this is a fact. Bravo knows. He's in the same circle. He's playing dumb, and he's running cover, and he's not letting Alex Jones talk. It's infuriating, because Alex Jones is trying to tell him that he knows, and Eddie won't let him get it out. But let me continue, because he'll also discuss how Joe Rogan is also apprised of this character's identity. But, dude, this show will blow up if you told me. I don't know who it is. Tell me. I don't know who it is. Tell me. I don't know who it is. Now, while he's saying that, I have on the screen a message from Q, MGTV channel, who says, I will be at the FEIC with Eddie Bravo and Joe Rogan. Nobody knows we're turning up, just driving more information soon. Uh, this has to do with the Flat Earth Conference, but he was letting somebody know, and, and the email got to me, 
that he was going to be with Bravo and Rogan. And this is in 2018. Let's continue. Um, I don't know who it is. Who is well, it? Well, you know his deal. name? You know his first uh, and last name. Will you let me tell you? Oh, my God. You're going to tell me on the show. Did Rockfin stock? Well, I don't want to break people's confidences, but let me let me have a five minute rant and I will tell you everything but their name. Okay. What? That's what I that's the all I want. Next time we're out eating steaks with our good buddy Joe Rogan. Oh my god. You're not gonna you're gonna tell me everything except his name? Whoa. Damn. You, you think I'm you think I'm it's like you're gonna do everything to my dick except make me come. You know, that would be like, what do I what do I tell that girl? It's up to you to come, Eddie. <laughs> now, I'm sorry I'm playing the whole thing. I just I haven't heard this in a while. But Jones makes it clear multiple times he knows who Q is. He's not going to say the name live because he doesn't want to break confidences. But if they go hang out and have steak dinners with Joe Rogan, they will tell him who it is. And we all know that they know who it is and his name. Tell me. Okay, okay, fuck it. Just tell me the way you were going to tell me. Don't give up his name. Just tell me. Look, I swear on my children this is true. I don't just do that for no reason. So Alex Jones is swearing on his children he knows who Q is. And I've sent this clip to so many people in media. Nobody's biting. Which makes me think this is a carefully guarded secret. And here's the big scandal of it. Q, this person we're referring to, is a White House press corps member. And last month... I got Garrett Ziegler, who's being sued by Hunter Biden, to admit that they've been friends, extremely close friends, in quotes, extremely good friends for years. Ziegler worked in the White House with Trump. He was friends with this White House press guy who was the Q person. So this is actually documentable. It's admitted. It's all factual. And it's a scandal in the making. So here we have Alex Jones admitting all this, which is also very intriguing, considering his January 6th role. Okay. Uh, you, you believe me, right, Eddie? We believe you, Alex. Tell us. Tell us who Q is. And I'm not going to let this go. This video needs to be responded to, and Alex can't avoid it now. We just need to get somebody with a large enough following. And again, they're hiding this stuff, and this is a scandal. And one more point here. I'm going to play some more of it, and then we'll move on. I am going to be refiling the lawsuit on this thing this month for the sole purpose of bringing this person's name out. So it's going to happen very very soon and if you want the link to this video follow me on twitter it's ips insider i-n-c-i-t-e-r i do i don't know why but i do look if i give up confidences and say names <laughs> yeah I don't i'll never be given you there was two cues there was three cues there's a bunch of idiots to know what they were doing claiming they knew what q was there was operatives anyway let let him explain it um, eventually, I guess, to somebody here, like, for example, Rothschild, Mike Rothschild, the expert on Q. He should explain it to one of them. And I've let every single person who should know about this, who should care, I've let them all know. Not that it matters. The scandal is going to speak for itself. Okay, let's go ahead and move on here. Talking about hacking by the Chinese... Now there's, okay, here's some more interesting stuff from the movie Leave the World Behind. The bedroom has imagery suggestive of a flood. Like there's huge waves behind the bed. And the movie opens up 
with a conversation about friends. Friends, in the last episode, it's a huge reoccurring theme. And as you all remember, recently, Matthew Perry went underwater. And there was a number of things that were suggestive that there was a cryptic messaging behind his exit. And the fact that this movie makes a huge deal about the last episode and it has a flood as a major theme is worth looking into. And then one other point here. I'm thinking here that the nuke happening via the sea, which would cause, you know, maybe a tsunami, like that Poseidon weapon, you know, the Hunt for Red October stuff, the Terminator 2, the idea of a sea attack, Godzilla. The Godzilla thing is also very intriguing. If you, if you follow the connection between Oppenheimer's mention of the destroyer of worlds. Well, in the Bible, the beast and the abyss, the destroyer is called Apollyon, which also means Terminator or Abaddon. But this reoccurring thing we've been talking about has some correlations to the Titan imploding, which happened on the day we entered Cancer, symbolized, of course, by the 6-9. Well, this year on 11-3, Godzilla turns 69. And in the Godzilla movie, they try to destroy him by pulling him down so he implodes. So we have this reoccurring theme of the, the crab, which is another kraken. Kraken was originally a giant crab. But the Godzilla is another one of these that fits that same archetype. It's also given away in his birth date, interestingly. And, of course, Godzilla is a metaphor for nuclear weapons. So it's even more solidly connected to this reoccurring theme of the sunken Titanic. And the Titanic represents the West. It represents, like the Twin Towers, it represents the West sinking. So that's kind of how you tie it together. There's a story here being told. James Cameron is such a huge part of it, given the fact that he was filming Ghosts in the Abyss on 9-11 at the wreckage of the Twin Towers on that day. And he's also the Terminator 2 guy. And, of course, Terminator, Apollyon, Destroyer. Ink G says Crabkin. Yep. Tominoid says, Obliterated show on Netflix about a suitcase nuke in L.A. has 1103 in the first episode. Right? Well, they even had 113 in this show. In this. Now, I did a little research here on the, 17, on the 1619 Project that was put forth by Nicole Hannah-Jones. It's a journalistic thing. And it's not necessarily part of critical race theory, but it's this notion, of course, that American history has not been inclusive enough of America's past, its shameful history, and it, the systemic issues that prevail through today. And it's just not a coincidence that this became a contentious thing that Trump said that he's creating a 1776 commission. And, of course, we just had a return to 1776. Les Luther posted this. This is insane. He said, I can't get over Donald Tusk, the new Poland prime minister. It's like Donald Trump and Elon Musk. The simulation has just taken a piss at this point. Because Donald Tusk is officially the new prime minister of Poland. So I look at him, and this is really weird. Like, if you were to take Donald Trump's face and Elon Musk's face and mash them up and say, mash these together to any one of these image generators, you would get Donald Tusk. Yeah, look at Poland's new Prime Minister, Donald Tusk, and tell me he's not a perfect mashup of Trump and Musk. 
Like, this is a joke, right? This has got to be a joke. Like, this can't be real. This can't be, because this is just too perfect. Donald Tusk. This is some kind of AI joke. The AI god, Hal 9000, is just messing with us. I'm with Les Luthor on this. I I know this, this, this is just, I don't know, crazy making. All right. Moving on. Uncanny. Now, one more point here. The sea attack. That's what we're talking about. This, uh, a sea attack, a flood. It's one of the recurring themes. And one of the other points they brought up in the movie, the winter solstice. And this rich guy told the other guy in his recounting, in a very ominous way, take care of yourself. Later, they're driving a car that has 1222 on it. So I think we have a winter solstice reference. And it was the summer solstice where the Titan imploded. And again, Godzilla implodes. Winter solstice is coming in a couple of weeks. So I'm thinking maybe, maybe, maybe this would be the date. Not quite sure 100%, but I mean, it's just a little interesting again. And then we have the 311 tsunami in Japan. I was looking at some video of this. Yeah, the guy's name is literally Donald Tusk. And he looks like the two of them. He looks exactly like a perfect mashup of the two. And it's like, they ran out of ideas or something? Or it's a joke? Alright, let's play this clip. This is getting kind of Hitlerish. So, Nick Fuentes has grown out his mustache. He's going full-blown Hitler. And he's the one who had dinner with Ye and Trump, and he was Ye's campaign manager. Yeah, this white nationalist. He's basically the face of uh, this America First thing, which suggests that, uh, that we need to start taking away the rights for women to vote, get all non-whites out of government, uh, lower the age of consent so that girls can have babies with older men. And he's like, like some, somewhere out there, there's some 12-year-old girl who unfortunately is going to be his future bride when she turns 16 and he's 30. I mean, he said this stuff. Anyway, that's not the worst that he said. He's, he's said quite a few things, but this again, uh, Nick Fuentes, who says, when we take power, they will be need, they will be need, there will, will be a need to give them the death penalty. He's, he's talking about witches. They must absolutely be annihilated when we take power. Here he is talking about killing witches and warlocks and pagans. Like that's, that's kind of where they're at right now. And this is why I call it the MAGA ban. This is, this is MAGA stan in the making. There is an occult element at the high levels of society and specifically among the Jews so many of the people that are perpetrating the lies and the destruction on the country, they are evildoers. They are people that worship false gods. They are people that practice magic or rituals or whatever. And more than anything, those people need to be, when we take power, they need to be given the death penalty. Straight up. And I'm far more concerned about that I am about even non-white people or mass migration. So he's even more concerned about witches and people doing magic rituals than he is about non-whites. 
these people that are that are communing with demons and engaging in this sort of witchcraft and stuff and these people that are suppressing the did some witch like put a curse on him like why is he so suddenly mad about this that now his number one enemy isn't non-white but it's witches and warlocks like i'm starting to wonder maybe that's that's what's got him the name christ and suppressing christianity they must be absolutely annihilated when we take power this is god's country this is jesus's country this is not the domain of atheists or devil worshipers or perfidious you know devil worship is 100 percent legal is jews this um this this again this is nick fuentes who looks like he drives a van without windows. Did he always look like this? He used to look kind of innocent. I think that's why he got a pass. People thought this guy looked kind of harmless. But no, he's starting to look like he drives a van with, with uh, no windows. Okay, let's see what we have here. I wanted to bring this up. This is the McCloskeys, if you haven't seen them. And if you look on the immediate right, there you have the cover of the Turner Diaries by Andrew McDonald. And you have the BLM, or the probably the Black Panthers in the background. You have soldiers from the UN. And there you have the McCloskeys. And if you look, he's wearing, just like the photo of the McCloskeys, he's wearing an open polo shirt, and she's got a striped shirt, horizontal, black and white stripes. So I'm just flipping back between the two, because 42 years after the publication of the book, 1978, it came to life. It absolutely came to life with these two characters who are totally unbelievable. It was actually written by William Pierce. It's his real name. It depicts a violent revolution in the United States that leads to an overthrow of the federal government, nuclear war, and a race war that leads to the systematic extermination of non-whites and Jews. All of the groups opposed by the protagonist Earl Turner, including Jews, liberal actors, and politicians, are murdered in mass. So that's nice. And I think the Turner is likely a reference to Nat Turner, but it's kind of an inverted Nat Turner where it's it, it, but it's it's uh, the name, of course, which has some fascinating connotations. It's described as being explicitly racist and it's the Bible of the racist right by the FBI, and it's greatly influential. It has shaped white nationalism and the white genocide conspiracy theory. It has inspired numerous crimes and acts of terrorism, including the 1995 Oklahoma City bombing, and it is estimated to have influenced over 200 killings. Anyway, that's the basic rundown of it. It has some elements of planes crashing into buildings, and it here we go, the day of the rope thing, which again was a facet of January 6th. And one other thing, the author, of course, being born 9-11-1933 uh, is very, very interesting. We're just going through the list, and this is like a prop. They just put it in the bedroom of any of these mass shooters, and suddenly you know why he did it. Nick Fuentes reminds me of a 70s porn star with that mustache, says Angst G. Yeah, well, uh, Nick Fuentes is intentionally incendiary. He's got to be a Poe, a parody of extremism. I don't believe he actually believes the stuff that he says. I really don't. I, I think he's more or less controlled opposition designed to misrepresent and straw man.
anybody who doesn't agree with progressivism so they can be labeled as you know racist and haters and bigots and this phobe and that a phobe like look he espouses homophobia transphobia everything phobia xenophobia but who's his bff Ollie alexander who checks all those boxes so it's like yeah Ollie alexander he's a groomer and he's uh, multiracial he's definitely not white nationalist but he's somehow connected to him so it, it's it tells you that he doesn't really hold these things to be true in his real life or he's totally compromised which is likely the case and somehow that got swept under the rug like how is Fuentes still out there given that he's so close to literal groomers which implicates him in many of the cover-ups in fact he was he was actually demonstrated as working on shutting victims or targets up okay let's continue here we got some updates on the shooter from July 4th of 2022 uh, Robert Crimio and we've been talking about him quite a lot because this is the guy who has the 47 tattooed on his head this is the guy who venerates Lee Harvey Oswald and he used to go to Trump rallies so he's obsessed with the number 47. It's tattooed on his temple. It's on his car on a 7-4 or July 4th. He goes out and he shoots up a parade. And then it's even more interesting. It's, it's, it's like the Oswald connection is what's most interesting. Robert Crema III happens to also look like one of the characters from Stranger Things, which is not a coincidence. Man accused of fatally shooting seven during the July 4th parade, ditches attorneys and elects to defend himself. Now this is the Highland Park shooter. And at the time of this shooting, and look he does have a he does have a bowl cut, more or less. At the time of the shooting, the other shooter from Parkland High was in the news. He was being sentenced. So you had Highland Park, Parkland High. And then I find out that Kennedy went to Parkland Hospital, which again is significant because this is an Oswald character. And this all does correlate with the JFKification of Donald Trump, because this guy wants to shoot Donald Trump, but he's obsessed with Oswald. The QAnons think Trump is JFK. You can see how it all melts together nicely. He faces 21 counts of first-degree murder, along with 48 counts of attempted murder. After the shooting, his mom was hilariously photographed with a Target bag, because she was shopping at Target. 2022 Highland Park July 4th Parade. Let's see what else we have here. He was on the roof of a building overlooking the parade, fired indiscriminately into the crowd. This one is extremely fake. Nobody saw any blood or anything like that. Okay, let's move on from this one. Never got his manifesto. Never got his real reason, but the... the um, the dates tell you everything. And four, okay, now, so there's 4-7, right? There's 47 on his temple. Well, Donald Trump's hat has the 47 on the side of it. And then recently, we've been talking about this, hockey player, 47. Of course, he was killed by player number 22. And then you had Derek Chauvin, 47 years old, somebody 22. Uh, number, um, I mean, somebody stabbed him 22 times. So there's some kind of a, a connection here. 
Now, Robert Eugene Crimo was 22 last year when he did the shooting. Again, Highland Park, interesting code. We'll continue to dig into this story. Another one that ties into this one is the Nashville shooting. Uh, Audrey Hale, who's kind of like a right-wing Andrew, or Andy, uh, I'm sorry, um, Adam Lanza. It's like the Covenant shooting has become one of the few shootings that the right wing cares about because it was a leftist shooter. They, they don't care about shootings unless it's the other people, the other side that perpetrate it. For example, Nick Cruz with his MAGA hat. Yeah, he gets a pass. Just blame it on SSRIs, not gun culture. But then Audrey Hale does a shooting and she doesn't get a pass because Audrey Hale's ideology. And Audrey Hale was radicalized by Reddit. Other shooters are radicalized by Discord. And both sides now agree that social media causes mass shootings. Thirst for Truth says, Arwen's doppelganger. Ooh, interesting. I haven't seen Arwen lately. I keep waiting for one of them to pop off. I mean, there has been a few meltdowns lately. Uh, Santos Bonacci lost his YouTube channel after threatening or inciting... He was trying to incite a mob to go decapitate Mark Zuckerberg and a few others. Spectacular meltdown. Mad. Uh, another meltdown was, I guess there was the KC Industries 5. You know, he's the TikTok Eric Dubay. He had a pretty big meltdown and threatened violence against Fight the Flat Earth. There have actually been a lot of those. Um, people spiral. I'm not sure what causes it. Like You have a choice. Go to the edge and find answers to your question. Or go crazy trying to convince everybody and let the gaslighting that you experience drive you nuts, drive you over the edge mentally. So that's kind of where I think you're at. If you're stuck on flat earth, you got to find the edge or lose it because you're never going to get people within the closed system to agree with you. You have to have that overview. You have to have that perspective from outside of it. And that doesn't really happen with people who are you know, unwilling to accept the possibility that they might be wrong. And it's hard for a lot of people. Salty says he finally lost it. I saw him posting last week. Yeah, he recently lost it. And it, again, it was specifically, from what I heard, it was decapitation threats, which throws back, is a throwback to um, Lord Stephen Christ, the hollow earther, who threatened to decapitate me Actually, his word was decapitize. But he threatened President Obama, went to jail, got out, became a cell earther after 33 months in a jail cell. And he had a good run for a few years. But then he threatened to kill Donald Trump and he went back to jail. And then he got out and then he died, supposedly. I mean, I don't even know. You know, you know it's like it's, it's questionable at a minimum. But yeah, he went to jail two different times for threatening two different presidents. Like I'm saying, it's, it's a pattern. Speaking of cells, sleeper cells. Vast Hamas terror cell network will be activated over Christmas. Okay, good to know. Over Christmas. Um, now, the Alex Jones back on X has caused a lot of controversy, but I've, I was listening to Alex Jones and Andrew Tate and Elon Musk and all these guys talking. They're forming a new front. 
and the framing of this as you know truthers versus the WEF just seems fake and contrived. Yeah, the Lord Stephen Christ threatened to decapitize me. A lot of people thought he was just a LARP, but uh, you know his concept of the universe was interesting. He was not a hollow earther. He was a cell earther, and the difference is hollow earth is a ball spinning around going around the sun and on the inside of the ball there are people who are upside down to us I guess it's centripetal force and in the middle of the ball is their own little sun and that hollow earth explanation is one way of looking at it and he's not that he believes that the earth as we experience it is actually like a womb it's a cell and that it is I guess I guess the best way of explaining it, it's not spinning, it's not a ball. It's it's some kind of mass that we're inside of in a spherical region. So it's it's an interesting concept. He had some pretty good models to explain it. Vinny Barbarino said the Santos meltdown was epic. I watched five hours of it. I I saw a couple parts of it. One he had it looked like he put some um balled up t shirts in his shirt and he pranced around like a, a pantomime of a, a woman, like a parody. And then he put them in his pants, so he had like gigantic basketball-sized testicles you could see through his sweats. Uh, then I saw him jumping around with his middle fingers up. I was waiting for him to start flinging his stuff at the wall. I mean, he just went, he went full-blown chimp mode. Like, he, he was acting like an animal. It was insane. So, I, and then, of course, I didn't, I didn't hear the parts where he was making the threats, but I was like, you can do that. You can act like a monkey. You can act the fool, but when you start making threats, then they cut you off, and I can understand that. And if he's willing to do those things, then he's probably willing to chop off heads. Salty says, did you see Mark Dice was let in on the live chat with Elon and Alex? Oh, Mark Dice, who blocked me on Twitter. River Phoenix. Jim Crojo says he wants to give you the Highlander treatment. Yeah, well, Lord Stephen Christ actually did, if you look him up, if you don't know who Lord Stephen Christ is, um, again, he was the cell earther. He actually had a cult. I don't know how big it was, but it was definitely a cult. And let me see here. I think I found it. One of the main pictures of him that would show up is he had a sword. So it was kind of intimidating. It was like this Conan the Barbarian character. Okay, let's go ahead and move forward here. Someone found this. 666. A few different things I would point out about this movie is, and I just looked at the blade and stuff, but there's still more with the color symbolism, and a number of people in our servers have been looking at that. But it does open up with a pretty blatant 666 and the blue behind the main character with a crack pointing down at his head. And this is a great example, though, of a of concurrent and predictive programming, but also it's really just a case study in how our entertainment has actually been propaganda this entire time. And some people are just now figuring it out. It's quite literally everything. Okay, here's something from truthmafia.com. Santos Bonacho's unseen meltdown caught on screen and recorded before they deleted it. Okay, some people captured it. He had a significant outburst on YouTube, and I'm screen recording it. It's likely to be removed. 
he's having a meltdown, alluding to violent actions that I cannot mention because I could face legal consequences. However, it's crucial to emphasize that we should pursue these matters legally and avoid inciting violence. In his video, he asserted that Kazarian reptilians are responsible for child trafficking, cannibalism, abduction, causing pedivores. Okay, standard stuff there. Then he reads some Bible verses. Then he makes derogatory claims about historical figures. He's describing some of the insults here. Then he claims, okay, again, this is all Q stuff, really. Mostly Q stuff. But apparently, at the end of it, he gets into some very specific threats. Someone says, here, I never laughed so hard at some of the things he hit on. Let's see here. Very left field. He cracks me up. Well, the best unfiltered free speech I've seen on camera in a decade. Damn, he didn't hold back. Crazy wild. Had me glued to the screen. I hope he's fine and well. Great. Well, if someone can get that to me, I'd like to get some clips of it. Fascinating. I wonder what he was on. Because they pulled his channel down. I don't see it right now. We'll move on. Just sounds like a QAnoner, basically. And look, there's this is not an uncommon thing. There's another QAnon guy I follow on Twitter, not because I care about what he's saying, but because I looked into him. He had his cash app. And if someone has a cash app, like on their Twitter account, a lot of people do it, you can usually find out who they are. And this person, I found out who he was because I was curious. It's like, who is this guy who's spamming like recycled Q drops from five years ago, just cropping off the dates? posting too many emojis and I hate that like I like emojis I'm fine but Q and honors are always like thumbs up thumbs up American flag heart 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 feel the vibes JFK is coming like I get sick of it well I looked into this person it turns out that last Halloween he went to a nightclub where he was convinced that children were being trafficked and he took out a knife and he was going to start stabbing people until the security guard stopped him and he stabbed the security guard then he went to jail then he came out, and suddenly he's a big Q and honor pusher with 10,000 followers. But he's anonymous. Nobody knows who he is. So I'm just wondering, you know, how do you go from crazy guy with a knife trying to murder people to Q and on influencer who seemingly has an endless collection of prefabricated tweets handed to him every single day? Because that's what it looks like to me. Like, and this is not an uncommon thing. Many of the people who are out there prop uh, promulgating various conspiracy theories are federal informants. We can attest to this. Uh, a number of individuals that we've exposed who really just seem like they were more or less just normal creeps. They go to jail and they're given some kind of a deal. Next thing you know, they're on YouTube talking about Hollow Earth and Bigfoot. It doesn't make sense until you realize the importance of having street-level, regular people spreading propaganda lies as limited hangout operatives. Plain Decoded says, apparently, the guy he teamed up with absconded with the money he had from the business he started. I see. I see. There might be something to it. Look, I didn't watch his entire meltdown. I saw some clips, and he was just acting like a, like someone high. He was acting like, like, uh, like he was throwing it all away.
but he can come back from it, I'm sure. Okay, moving on here. We will dance again, reads a new tattoo of one of the hostages released. Okay. It's amazing, that's like 10 years ago. Does anybody still care about that? Like, once I saw plastic babies, rubber babies, I stopped caring. Not that I, like, with any, with any of these events, like, it's not that I'm cold or I don't care about people, but I'm not going to give away any loose till I know it's real. And when I find something to cast doubts on it, I step back from it. And since I've stepped back from it, I've yet to see anything compelling enough to draw me back in. But it's just another study of, uh, another way to study how they influence people by playing with their emotions and these archetypal images of people holding dead kids. I mean, this martyr cult, it's, it's pretty grotesque. And if you don't know what a limited hangout is, limited hangout operations, it's pretty much where they know that some people are going to see through. They can plan for it. And since they know they can't brainwash everybody, they need an alternative. And they need to control the alternative. And the way they do it is they give them a few things that are true, but they never give them enough truth to get them to see through the big picture. It's a containment operation. And that's pretty much what we have here. These federal informants are being used to, because uh, they're given all the resources, they're given all the support, they're given platforms. Like one example, Authentic Intent was a channel that right after I started suggesting we do street activism and start just throwing memes out there in public, he kind of joined up with us and he became an IPS correspondent on the streets and he'd be out in public uh, debating people on the shape of the world and we would support his live channel. Anyway, we come to find out later that he was on parole for some stuff that, honestly, he should have been through a wood chipper. And like, why is this guy even out? Then we find out that other people who are involved in the same circle are the similar, they have similar backgrounds. But the main thing about it is, he was a speaker at the conference. And like, why are they putting a ped in front of the conference? That's one question. But then second, the Daily Beast went straight to him and got a quote. And the quote they got was something along the lines of, the only reason why I looked into Flat Earth is YouTube's algorithm recommended it to me. So that very line was used as a basis for screwing up search results on YouTube for this topic. And what I'm saying is, that was a plant, a federal informant with a planted line, and that the reporters there knew exactly who to speak to who would deliver him the line that they needed to publish. That's the level of control it is, and that's how the limited hangout operatives would work uh, with media. Uh, yeah, I'll take calls. Phones are open. 505-349-0420. Just kind of following up on the movie and the fallout around it and the Chinese cyber attacks. But the main thing of it, I think, again, is the 1776-1619 thing. And Derek Chauvin being stabbed 22 times leading up to this is another big clue, I think. Again, the premise of the movie was a build-up to a civil war that would be inevitable if there's a collapse because there's such a division. 
which I think you could argue is the case. Okay, I'm going to go through my minds.com if you want to follow me there. It's Infinite Plane Society. So listen to what Mike Rothschild said. He said, there's a conspiracy theory that the new film is predictive programming from the Obamas to prepare us for a large-scale cyber attack and societal collapse. So he mocks the idea. But in late 2019, there was a five-part documentary on Netflix called Pandemic about frontline nurses and first responders at a hospital overrun during a pandemic. And that movie was used to teach people about PPE, about gloves, about quarantine. Like all the, like if you had a glossary for a course you're about to take, they gave you the glossary before 2020 with all the predictive programming. And so for Mike Rothschild, who wrote two books about conspiracy theories, to ignorantly just mock this shows you that he's a shill or he's just too insulated and can't even think outside of his box. Because the pattern has been, and I can point to dozens and dozens of examples, with Netflix in particular, that not only is it predictive programming, softening people up for what's going to be fake later, but it also contains plenty of concurrent programming. Like I said, the Roe v. Wade timing with the storyline that we saw in the Game of Thrones, or this other example I mentioned a bit earlier about Waco, and Trump starting his campaign in Waco, and them and the timing of it implies that our news is being bent a year in advance, two years in advance, five years in advance. I mean, in broad strokes, generation, it's like 50 years in advance, probably. But with specifics, probably within a couple of years. So like, we need to make sure that when Trump kicks off his campaign in Waco and calls it the final battle, we need to have Waco American Apocalypse released that evening. Or... We're going to have the Israel-Hamas conflict on 10-7. Let's get Modern Warfare 3 out on 10-6. So hundreds of millions of people are living through a simulation of it as it happens. Let's see, commenter says, Israel TV promotes genocidal song. Yeah, look, I don't buy into this sides thing. I really don't. Like, some people side with Israel, some people side with Hamas. And if you're taking sides... You're a puppet. And I know that sounds unsympathetic or something it might to some people, but no, actually, it's, it's the opposite. I'm against mind control, trauma-induced mind control, brainwashing, traumatizing people to get them to conform to the power elite's worldview. Like, I'm not really cool with any of that. So I don't take sides. This is a very apolitical stance here. And that's because I recognize that the political horseshoe is a containment operation, where anybody who sees through the general illusion gets radicalized and put into fringes that has them warring for dominance over those and, and converting the most number of those who are neutral. It gets them involved in the mind war, and I'm not part of it. And if you're part of the mind war, you're basically cannon fodder. You're Mentally, you're just cannon fodder. Tomanoid 3 says, I love all propaganda. Yeah, I do too. I, I definitely do enjoy the propaganda. I love. I find it entertaining. I do like watching CNN. I like watching Fox. I like. Wa I mean, CNN is actually far more intelligent. I watched both for four months straight, back and forth. 
and I was just monitoring it. And Fox is trying to be funny and lowbrow, and CNN is trying to be a little more intellectual. And you can see the difference if you watch them side by side for yourself. It's fascinating. But they're both very entertaining. And knowing what they are and, and what a clown show it is, it's just intriguing to watch these characters and wonder about them. Like, how far up the pyramid are they? And you can tell, because the higher up the pyramid you are, the more you know. The lower you are, the more you are lost. You're just a believer. And the majority, I think, are just script-reading, teleprompt-reading believers who are happy with what they get. The number of people in the know about how integrated media is globally, past, present, future, it's a very small number of people. But we are going to blow that number up. The difference being, we didn't have to crawl up their pyramidal dung heap. We didn't have to take any NDA, sign any blood oaths, or eat any babies to get these secrets, to get these insights about how things work. But it is the, the dynamic here. It's the lie world order. It's knowers in control over believers. And again, the best example I can find in film would be the village, where the old, or the elders, dress up as monsters to terrorize the young generation so they never leave the village. They know the truth. They're knowers. The people at the bottom are believers who have a limited access to information that precludes that they ever find out how this thing works. So the knowers control the believers for their own good. They think it's for their own good. That's their rationale. That you know We need to keep them from merging with the modern world and all of its problems. We're going to keep them safe. So it's sort of a benevolent dictatorship. At least that's their mentality. Maddie 33 says, would you get fake nukes Phil on sometime? Yes, absolutely. I was listening to fake nukes Phil recently, and I would definitely like to get him on. Because here's the thing. What we're really up against is a consensus and peer pressure. There's a lot of peer pressure to not call things fake. And that peer pressure is originating from plants, from the guardrailers. And I don't cave, cave to that. I don't care if I'm one person out of six billion who's willing to say that both pro and anti-vax are a sham and it's all there as a loaded premise to get everybody to accept this new concept of sin which needs to be regulated by the priesthood. You know, I don't care if we're the only ones on day one of an event looking at it critically. You know, I'm not going to let peer pressure or anybody's arguments about, you know, but my dead kids, but my emotions, but my logical fallacies. Like, no, we have to go ahead and break away. We have to create a crack in that political horseshoe and take off a huge swath of those who have strayed enough from the MSM because they know it's BS. But we need to, um, I think, turn them to our side of the screen, pull them over onto this side. Because truthers get pulled through the screen. That's what happens. The instant you go from blue pill to red pill, you've actually stepped through the screen. Now, everything that they put on there is real to you, but then there's more. And you're awake, or rather you're having a nightmare. And you see all these other people who aren't having a nightmare, and you try to wake them up to the nightmare. And it's frustrating because it doesn't work, because that's how it's supposed to be. But what we're pro-offering is a perspective that comes from stepping back from the screen and aligning our interpretation of things with objective reality. And the number of people 
that are capable of this paradigm shift is I think I think it's it's not like more than 20% of the quote red pillars but it's a pretty substantial number and it's got to be it's I don't know it, we'll have to test it and see but what I'm saying is that we're not trying to get mainstream media air we're not trying to get approval from big channels or influencers like we know what they are why would you want to even like the futility of debating somebody who doesn't know about psychological operations and doesn't include that in their frame of reference is I think best demonstrated by looking at the flat versus round earth debates it's like every round earther is someone who accepts the argument from authority represented by the screen and beyond just the shape of the world they believe everything else they're too reality compromised to be debated as though they are somehow to be trusted as experts on the nature of reality like these people are too far removed from it to be even be the arbiter of real the burden of proof is in the wrong place they need to bring the proof to us it's like no you bring it to me I got your globe but I also got your fake moon landing and your underwater space station so like you got to explain this the smudge the I mean there's so many examples but but the various glitches in their storyline those need to be addressed and anytime I've debated these people they don't want to touch that stuff because they want to keep it in the realm of their bent science their bent news they don't want movie magic to be factored in and that's the thing movie magic deep faking has been a part of mass media from day one Oswaldo says yep we're 33 degrees and free and these idiots sold their souls they must hate us yeah that's true if you're a listener to infinite plane radio if you've been listening long enough uh, you do have more insight I would say than most of the people climbing up the pyramid and it's it's by design I think it would be difficult for a lot of people who are probably good people to perpetrate these lies if they knew the extent of it and I'm actually working on a manuscript that I'll probably release next year uh, expanding on the lie world order concept where I'm describing how the world stage internalized worldview this model makes liars out of everybody it's just a question of witting liar or unwitting liar and there's various levels of it and intentionality makes all the difference but to a point it, it does require that people are um, complicit in being divorced from reality self gaslighting but it's all based on lies and truthers are not like full of truth and they're not even making an active effort to seek the truth the mainstream media are liars we know this but the truthers aren't any better they're just offering the counter to the lies but it doesn't make them any quote more objective it doesn't make them truthier but it's a great trick but if you look at them for the most part they're not involved in some systematic attempt at elucidating the truth they're not trying to put their counter narratives into a structure and and form a breakaway from the mainstream media they're part of it they're alternative what we're doing here is we are creating we have created but we're growing the parallel media completely separate from commenter says yeah O'Reilly says symbolism is an overdrive some people can see it but most can't 
Yeah, that's the fascinating part of it too. It has to do with the difference between, for example, hearing and listening. Well, in this case, the difference between seeing and perceiving. And if you're a mainstream mediated mind, if you have a massified mind, you see it all, but you don't perceive for yourself. You're taking your perceptions secondhand. Big brother is pre-masticating your food like a mama bird and spitting it in your mouth. You didn't actually perceive it for yourself. You're just believing it. There's a huge difference. And what we've done is we have made that distinction because what we are doing by suspending judgment is we are perceiving for ourselves, which means that we're often left recognizing that we don't have enough information to believe this or that narrative, which makes us non-believers. And I talked about this last month. There's this thing called the Mental Immunity Project, which is pretty new. And it almost feels like it's ripping off of what we talk about here, this being mind war inoculation. But the Mental Immunity Project is confronting the problem of the public's inability to be able to tell real from fake, which is what we talk about all the time. And I've been saying that this is by design, that they have given the public mind aids, destroyed their mental immune system, so they're ultimately programmable. And this is why they don't want people like us introducing a, a, a philosophical framework for approaching media that requires skepticism primarily. Because skepticism is like a mind vax. The Mental Immunity Project says here, the human mind has an immune system all its own. The system combats infectious information the same way the body combats infectious microbes by manufacturing antibodies. We experience these as questions and doubts. We need to fortify mental immune systems against infectious nonsense that circulates freely on the web. The findings of cognitive immunity light the path to a world where manipulative messaging no longer divides peaceful societies against themselves. Obviously this can't happen because if you were really being honest about this as we are, you would recognize that the infectious nonsense includes weaponized superstitions, psychological operations, trauma-induced mind control, the flood of mal-dis-misinformation cramming weeks worth of news into any 24-hour news cycle. Like This would actually cure people of their addiction to believing mainstream media propaganda. So this project is doomed to fail. It's obviously going to be partisan and directed at what they designate to be disinformation. So they designate what is real and fake. We're in the desert of the designated real. It has nothing to do with facts. Okay, I have to move along now and run on to some other projects. I'm going to go pick up some paperwork. I'm going to be making some definitive moves towards getting YouTube not only sued, but possibly prosecuted for their five-plus-year involvement in the theft of my content, the suppression of my content through the wrongful, uh, I would say, attribution of my trademarks to my stalker, who did so by contacting their legal department. We have the emails. We have the evidence. It does constitute wire fraud, identity theft, and I'm going to hold YouTube responsible for this and for 400 plus false DMCA takedown notices. They're going to pay for all of it, but I have to go to their jurisdiction. So that's going to be the next thing. And that's going to happen this month. And of course, 
um, if I do make this trip the way I'm planning on it, we'll likely do some kind of a meetup slash cyber symposium to distribute lots of copies of the IPS Insider and the Autohooksology textbook. But it's be nice to uh, get this thing moving now because the sooner we get it filed, uh, the sooner we can really, I think, advance our bigger program here. You know, what we're trying to do is we're introducing an alternative to the alternative. And this particular situation that involves the targeted censorship of our channel really, I think, is illustrative of how all alternative views have been censored. Like, we're a perfect example of who was really censored. I mean, just the other day, Tucker was talking to Jones, and he's like, Alex Jones is the most censored person on the Internet. I'm like, what do you mean? He's the face of January 6th. You can't ignore him. He's the face of conspiracy theory everywhere. Uh, anything he uploads gets viewed and shared. He's the opposite of censored. He is the straw man, the establishment heel that they want you to see and gravitate to if you question the mainstream so they can take you down with him. Like, it's pretty obvious. The people who are censored, you never hear from because they're being targeted by government operatives working with big media, and it's down to the level of the individual. I mean, I've been targeted for censorship, and I don't use that term lightly in this instance because we're actually talking about somebody using the resources that he has as a politically connected government worker who knows how deep but he's white house press corps and he's connected to somebody high up in youtube enough to uh, affect these types of uh, changes and to commit these specific crimes it's he has to be brought out and again we're going to take care of it very very soon the lawfare department be activated here for 2024. All right, this is Chief Crow, auto hoax. I'm going to turn it back to the 24-7. Thanks for joining. I'll send out the archives, and we are going to resume tomorrow morning, IPS Morning D program. I missed this morning, but I was packaging and shipping things. So again, tomorrow morning, IPS D program. <laughs>